Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. This is the second of two episodes that focus on synthetic polymers that are commonly made into fibers. I've already covered nylon and polyester. In this episode, I'll be talking about the olefins, uh, acrylics, and I'll make a special shout out to modified acrylic, sometimes called mod acrylic. I'm going to move on now to a fiber that's called olefin, although Olefin is not a name that you're probably familiar with. Uh, if you were to ask yourself like, oh, when have I last bought olefin? You're going to be like, mm. all right. But uh, polyolefin uh, is also uh, called polypropylene or polyethylene. So the olefin family has these members that are much more famous than the family name. Polypropylene is very popular in carpeting. Now, the name olefin is the one that we're going to use because ole, right, is the, comes related to the Latin word for oil, right? So uh, oleophilic, the polyester fiber is oleophilic. That's because it, uh, oil is attracted to it, right? So uh, you, you should be able to remember olefin a little bit better than polypropylene or, or polyethylene. Olefin is very strong and color fast, and it has a pretty good uh, uh, property, even though it's very low in absorbency. It has a moisture regain of less than 1%. It wicks very quickly, uh, and that's because it's so hydrophobic that it, it actually engages in that uh, pushing of water along its surface. So olefin is great for base layers. Uh, polypropylene um, base layers or long underwear are what the sort of thing that um, winter athletes might wear. Uh, like um, nylon and polyester, olefin is melt spun. Uh, unlike polyester and nylon, olefin is more commonly seen uh, for, for in probably your experience in its film form than in its fiber form. Most uh, buildings are actually wrapped in sheets of olefin. Uh, maybe you've seen it under the tra trade name Tyvek. Uh, and this is partly because it's so inexpensive that we can we can put it under roads, we can wrap buildings and we can make it into those annoying shopping bags. Then end up getting caught in trees and being a major source of pollution, right? Because it's so cheap that people just let it fly out of their hands like it's no big deal. Also, because it's very uh, light, it's actually less dense than water, which means it'll float on the surface, which is another reason why it's actually a big part of plastic pollution. Uh, I mentioned that it has a, a low moisture regain, but good wicking. Uh, because of this wicking property, it builds up a, an outer layer of moisture that prevents static. So it's also good for carpeting. But nylon really has everybody's love uh, because uh, it's uh, um, been used for longer and um, uh, it has other good properties. Um, of course, olefin is very oleophilic, which nylon isn't. And so that's a major reason why nylon is preferable because it'll be easier to clean. 
UV resistance, chemical resistance, biological resistance, weather resistance, all of these are good, right? So olefin is great. And actually those um, white hazmat suits uh, that you might see people wearing like at crime scenes uh, to prevent their, their um, trace uh, DNA from being distributed at a crime scene. And so they're going to be disposed of very quickly. Those are likely made out of olefin as well. Uh, in, in terms of apparel, like normal apparel, I mentioned things like thermal underwear. Uh, it's also seen in insulative fill inside uh, gloves. So Thinsulate is a trade brand for olefin. Uh, in automobiles, we'll use it for the sort of the softer parts, things like the truck and deck liners. Uh, again, because it's oleophilic, this means that it might stain. But to be honest, right, we'd rather that the oil soaked in than, uh, than got on something that we then put in the, in the um, trunk. Uh, if uh, we, as I mentioned before, if we see a house under construction, we might see it as a hydrophobic barrier. Let me kind of explain how this works. So we want the house to be able to breathe a bit, right? So, so it's not actually like an airtight, watertight seal, but we don't want a, a bunch of water pouring in, right? So like if there's a, a, a leak dripping down the outside of the house and because the olefin is hydrophobic, it's going to repel those, that major water, right? But because it has the wicking property, small amount, very small amounts of moisture can basically travel from one side of the barrier to the other, not enough to damage anything but just enough to keep mildew and things from building up inside the wall, right? Because you don't end up with a human environment being created by this. Right? So it's not like you put the whole house inside a Ziploc bag. So that's really why uh, it's, it's beneficial. And then as I mentioned before, it's used for uh, cheap plastic bottles. Uh, uh, it's, actually, it's used for the lid of bottles, actually, because it's, it's so cheap. Um, because it's oleophilic, we wouldn't use it for the body of the bottle because it might actually soak up any um, things in the food, right? But um, it will be used for the lid. Now, this property, again, makes it dangerous as a form of plastic pollution because it's going to soak up any pollutants that it comes in contact with. And then if a turtle or some other uh, water creature eats it, they'll actually ingest all of the pollutants that the olefin um, soaked up on its way to, to become a very attractively colored uh, little bobble that the, that the animal might inadvertently eat. So for that reason, it's really important to make sure that you properly dispose of all of the olefin that comes into your life, because otherwise you're just damaging uh, the, the water environment. And as I told you at the beginning of the podcast, that's something I care about quite a lot. I'll be honest, when we clean the San Marcos River every year, we uh, and when we ever, whenever we do a, an audit, right, so we open up the plastic bags and sustainability studies grad students help me go through the bags that are sampled at random and count everything in them, we see way more polyester water bottles than we do uh, olefin shopping bags. So I would really rather that people be careful with the things that we haven't banned than ban something that in this case isn't actually ending up in our river, right? Um, uh, taking things out of consumers' hands, it's a tricky balance, right? Because you, you just stop telling people they're responsible and, and stop asking them to be careful. So uh, please be careful with the olefin, uh, especially so that it doesn't end up in the river where I might be swimming. 
that's pretty much it with olefin, right? Uh, so we're going to move on to acrylic. Acrylic is the last of the big four synthetics that I'll be teaching you about. And here we reach a really important difference. Acrylic is either wet or dry spun, unlike the three others that we've talked about so far. It's drawn extensively, three to ten times, in order to get it to be oriented. But the fact that it has this uh, kind of amorphous nature right from the beginning means that it definitely more resembles a natural fiber than the other fibers we've talked about. Uh, in fact, we'll take steps to make it imitate wool. And for a very long time, acrylic has been used to imitate things that are made out of keratin, such as fingernails, right, and uh, wool. Uh, we can crimp it easily to make it bulky like wool. Uh, we'll chop it up into staple length and blend it with wool. Uh, use it in a wool blend carpet. For example, I've uh, when I was in a yarn spinning facility in Lima, Peru, I saw them blending a, a staple uh, roving of acrylic with alpaca, right? Because the alpaca, genuine alpaca was very uh, uh, fine and expensive. And this was a way to make a slightly more durable material that could be used for socks, etc., but uh, that had the, the strength properties of the synthetic fiber. Uh, so wool-like properties and very lightweight, easy to care for. Uh, one big drawback with acrylic is that the fiber decomposes when exposed to heat. Uh, you know, wool, of course, also you shouldn't use dry heat with it, uh, but uh, it isn't actually going to sort of turn into a brown, crusty lump the way that acrylic will. So, uh, for example, your fingernails, um, don't light them on fire. Uh, why would you be doing that? Well, uh, heaven forbid, uh, smoking is a thing of the past, right? People used to do things like that, and they would light their fingernails on fire. Uh so uh, the fiber would decompose, and this means that we don't use it for making products that have to be uh, heat set. It's just not something the fiber is good for. But hey, we had other fibers for that. It has very good UV and weather resistance. Uh, we'll add even additional UV resistant uh, chemicals to the dope and then use it to make fabrics for the outdoors. Um, for example, the trademark Sunbrella. Um, so acrylic is used for craft yarn. Uh, me personally, I can feel the difference between acrylic and wool. The acrylic kind of has a crunch feel to it that wool doesn't have, so I don't knit with acrylic. Uh, but if you went into a, a, a craft store that's uh, part of a national chain, you would find a lot of acrylic. Uh, maybe it's a good thing to learn on, uh, to, to use to make practice pieces, but me personally, I, I prefer to go to wool when I'm ready. Uh, but... It's used for rugs or for fake furs. Uh, we use it for um, indoor outdoor furniture, awnings, sails, uh, blankets. Very, very popular for blankets because it's we can make it so fluffy. But then on the other side, we use it for things like paints and polishes, right? So kind of weird, but, but acrylic can go all the way from a soft, fluffy blanket to paint. Now, because acrylic imitates wool so well, but it doesn't have one of the major properties that wool has, which is wool as a protein fiber self-extinguishes when exposed to a flame. We had a few little problems with acrylic when it was first introduced on the market. So we made some really gorgeous wigs that looked a lot like human hair, only the minute people tried to iron it with a curling iron, it decomposed. 
you might have uh, encountered some extensions that didn't perform the way that you expected. This is why. But worse than that, it can catch on fire, right? And and we, you know, we don't think about like why we don't have more people who come in and say, oh my goodness, I burned all my hair off today. But actually human hair is, is, is good that way. I mean, we should be glad that it's not as flammable as acrylic is, but having a, a few incidents where uh, people had their wigs catch on fire with the resulting, and I'm I'm not smiling. I was just smiling at the picture of someone coming in and saying they burned their hair over the weekend. But obviously, um, the scars and damage from a from a wig fire would be horrific. So almost immediately, uh, they developed a, a modification for acrylic that got its own trade, uh, its own generic name because it was that important that people know whether they're dealing with acrylic that was flame resistant or not. So mod acrylic is acrylic that has been modified to be flame resistant. So it's just like uh, acrylic. It does have uh, lower heat resistance, but it won't catch on fire because it has the flame resistant properties added to it in the dope. So this means that it's very commonly used for children's sleepwear because uh, at least in the United States, by law, we protect infants under the age of 18 months from flammable clothing. Uh, it's a parent's choice to purchase something that is uh, that is designed for an older child that might be made out of a, a highly flammable fiber like cotton. But for infant sleepwear on the market, you're only allowed to sell materials that that are not flammable. Uh, used for fake furs, uh, used for wigs, as I mentioned before, or rugs that might need to be flame resistant in interiors. So that's the story with acrylic in a textile setting. Just as a summary, uh, let's remember that the uh, strongest and most abrasion resistant of the fibers turns out to be, the synthetics turns out to be olefin. Acrylic is the least. The one with the most elongation, nylon and olefin are, are uh, tied there. Uh, acrylic doesn't have as much elongation and that's probably part of the reason why I can feel the difference between acrylic and wool. Nylon has the most absorbency, olefin has none, so we give it like the wicking uh, runner-up, but polyester and acrylic have very little absorbency. Nylon and olefin both are very resilient, which is why they're very popular for use in carpets. All of them have poor flame resistance and they're thermoplastic, which means that if they're used in apparel and they catch on fire, they could cause scarring. Um, mod acrylic is the exception there. Uh, heat resistance, uh, olefin is the, the worst, although acrylic is very poor. Uh, UV resistance, acrylic turns out to be excellent and nylon is the worst. Um, we don't use uh, nylon for uh, hazardous uh, textiles, uh, for hazmat textiles, because it has poor acid resistance. Uh, so we'll use uh, polyester olefin for that. Uh, in terms of bleach resistance, like wool, acrylic has low bleach resistance. And when it comes to stains, nylon is the one that has the trouble. It is the scavenger. Now I want to do a summary comparing all of the different fiber classes I've talked about because as I said up front, I'm really not going to spend any time on the aramids or the inorganic uh, fibers. So just in general, when it comes to most of the properties we've learned about, uh, synthetics are very good. So they have very good uh, tenacity and abrasion resistance, they have good resiliency, or they have the best resiliency of the category, and they have the best elongation. However, for something like absorbency, natural proteins are the winners there. Thermal retention, natural proteins are also the winner. 
and when it comes to flame resistance, natural proteins are the best. So uh, we can see that uh, with the exception of dimensional stability problems uh, created by felting in wool, natural proteins actually come out as, uh, as good as I thought they would because I love them so much. Uh, natural cellulose fibers are very good for what they're good for. We really appreciate their uh, laundering and their tenacity and of course their absorbency. And then the synthetics make modern life possible, save lives, uh, but create uh, products that we never would have had if we hadn't invented these polymers. Mm -hmm.